You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. It's Hour 3, The Big Show with Russick and Rose. Russick will be back eventually. I'm Matt Rose. He's Peter Klein. Patty Dumas producing today's show. GVP running the board. All hands on deck for this lovely Tuesday. We get Tommy Wielden Jr., the head coach and general manager of your Cavalry FC, joining the program at 8.30. The best-dressed man in the city. Uh, in... In every city. Yeah, sure. In the league, I would say, yeah, for sure. Um, And definitely in the city. In in the league of men. And uh, it looks like uh, Patrice Bergeron. I was going to get to it. It's fine. All right. Sorry, I I derailed the real news with a joke about how well Tommy Wilden Jr. dresses. Yeah, um, Patrice Bergeron is retiring. We'll get to that uh, in a little little bit here. Um, But first, our guest, who is on the line right now, Haley McGoldrick, joins us. From Sportsnet, she is a writer uh, down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Goldie on Sports on Twitter. Good morning, Haley. How's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? We're doing very well here in town. Uh, Getting stoked for Canada's match tomorrow, going up against the Republic of Ireland. I guess just, uh, I know know it was just last week, but uh, initial thoughts on what we saw in that opening draw for Team Canada. There really wasn't enough attack for Canada. I think that was the biggest thing. And all credit to that Nigeria team. I think a lot of people came in expecting Canada to just dominate that game. And that Nigeria team is so talented. They're so quick. They sat in that defensive block and just absorbed everything that Canada was attempting to give at them. But looking at Canada, they didn't do enough to try and create chances. They only had two shots from open play. There wasn't enough attack. Evelyn Viennes came on. She had a little bit of energy when Chloe Lacasse came on as well. But for the most part, they just didn't generate anything offensively. Obviously, that missed penalty sucked, and that really blew a lot of momentum that Canada seemed to have early. Ashley Lawrence and Adriana Leon looked to be cooking a little bit early, but Nigeria quickly got in and stalked those lanes on the left side. So for this game especially, which Ireland is a really tough defensive team, they like to play with five at the back. Canada's got to find a way to do something on offense. And obviously not having Jesse Fleming also hurt. She's a midfield maestro. She really ties that team together. She's quick on the attack. She's relentless. She keeps giving. And it was just very apparent that her absence was there. Julia Grosso and Quinn kind of looked lost without her in there. So I think for this game especially, Canada really needs to work on something in the attack because I thought the defense did really well. And that's why Nigeria didn't score. Also, Kadisha Buchanan, like I said, Ashley Lawrence, we're working really hard back there, Kaylin Sheridan on the net. But when you're not creating chances, there was only three shots on net. You're not going to win a soccer game like that. I love midfield maestro. I now want to do anything in my life where I get described as a maestro. <laughs> um, but uh, with, with Jesse Fleming, uh, it sounds like she's coming back um, for this game. Uh, I guess you, you kind of summed it up there, but give uh, maybe a bit more detail and how that could help Canada in, in their match tomorrow. Yeah, she had a calf problem, and I think that Beth Beth Friesman wanted to keep her out as kind of a precaution because this is the so-called group of death with Ireland, with hosts Australia. But just the way that Jessie Fleming plays, she's so incredible. I think it's the way that she, number one, just seems to always have power. I don't understand how you can go for 90 minutes and not get tired. Jessie Fleming looks like she's never, ever tired. The way she reads the game, she perfectly sets up passes for her teammates. She's kind of the next, I don't want to say the next Christine Sinclair. We know that Christine Sinclair is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of player that we've been able to watch, but just the way that I think she's learned from Christine Sinclair, she'll probably be the captain when Christine Sinclair 
retires. And I just think that every time she steps on that pitch, it's apparent the way that she has such an incredible knowledge of the game as well. There was a video I saw actually, and every single player on Team Canada said, if there's somebody you want to know who's studied the opponent, who knows exactly what they're doing, it's Jesse Fleming. Her intelligence of the game is just so sky high. And on top of that, her athleticism, her ability to create chances for herself, but also her teammates, and they were lacking that in that game against Nigeria. Um, looking at the the opposition coming up tomorrow morning, uh, the, the Republic of Ireland, well, what kind of a challenge does that present Canada? They are such a tough defensive team, and this Canada team has already struggled when it comes to creating chances, and this Irish team is very physical. I think that's the biggest thing, too. You saw Canada against Nigeria. It looked like there was yellow cards constantly, so many fouls in that game, and it's going to be another really physical battle. Their captain, Kate McCabe, she's a midfielder, for Arsenal, I feel like I talk about Arsenal every time I come on the radio, but it just comes like every every country seems to have a player who plays for Arsenal. But she is so talented. She is physical. She's not afraid to get in there. You saw it against Australia even. I think that Ireland team had so many positives coming out of the game. As much as it was a loss, it was a loss off a penalty. They didn't actually really let Australia have as many chances. It did get physical to the point where Australia was awarded a penalty, but I think that they're really tough defensively and they're going to kind of prey on the fact that they know Canada is lacking a bit of that attack. And so Canada is really going to need to have those players. I think players like Evelyn Viennes and Chloe Cots who came off the bench might earn a start this time because they really need to get something going fast against this Irish team that just is really, really tough at their back line. That's, I think, their biggest strength. They have really great players who can attack but their biggest strength is that they really don't let anything near the net. Is this a Canada side that you think can kind of play any style of game that's thrown at them right now? I think so, and I think they have to adapt, and that's the biggest thing. I know coming off an Olympic gold medal is obviously huge, and we're all very proud of this Canada team, but also other teams don't really see that as a threat. The Olympic competition is so much different than the World Cup competition, and Canada does need to adapt to play a little bit more physical, to be faster, to be more of an attacking threat because they are really great when they're on top in the midfield. They can create chances. They're solid at the back. They have great defenders, but they really need to be able to push through to break those blocks. You even saw it in friendlies last year and leading up to the World Cup that teams will sit in that low block and just kind of take whatever Canada is giving them. So Canada needs to find a way to break through that and adapt to that, and I think that's their biggest challenge. They have the talent. To be able to do that, I think, A, the lineup needs to change slightly. They need a bit more of those offensive sparks to begin the game, but also they need to find that way to break through defensively and play a little bit more physical as well and not really get pushed around because you see it frustrates them, and then they're committing fouls and getting yellow cards and giving up free kicks that they don't want to. We all know, you know, the the cachet that Christine Sinclair holds. Jesse Fleming is a star in the sport. Who are some of maybe the younger players that we should keep an eye on in these next couple of matches for not only this tournament, but just kind of moving forward and part of the future? I mean, the youngest player, Olivia Smith, she's 18 years old, which is crazy going to the World Cup. She's so sweet. She's just a great player. You've already seen some of the younger players on Canada's side. Jordan Heidema, she plays for Oil Range. She played for Paris Saint-Germain. Julia Grosso, Golden Girls, scored the winning penalty kick. Um, Vanessa Gilles, she's incredible at the defense. She plays for Lyon. She is a leader, a general in the back line. I think there's a lot of young talent with this Canadian team, and it's 
their average age is about 27 because they do have a lot of older veteran players like a Sophie Schmidt, like Alicia Chapman, like Christine Sinclair. But the next generation is kind of already here for Canada. Um, Jade Rivera is another one. You saw her playing against Nigeria. She's incredible. She's definitely a player to watch out for. But Canada's a lot of their young talent. It doesn't seem like they're new because they've been around for so long. But they, you know, they're just so incredible that Bev Priestman got her eye on them and said, "Okay, you're you're coming to the squad." And they've been here for a few years now. We've now seen um, at least one game from from every team so far, and it has seemed like it's a, a pretty even tournament thus far. Obviously, a couple of exceptions, but um, what, what have you kind of made of the tournament just as a whole so far? I think the biggest thing with this tournament is to expect the unexpected. I think so many people came in here, and yes, you see the United States, they come in, Sophia Smith scores a brace, that's expected. She was the youngest player to ever win NWSL MVP. She's incredible. We expect things like that. But then you see the Philippines. That's such a huge story. They've come in. They've beaten New Zealand. Not only beat the host country, New Zealand. This is their first ever World Cup. They won their first game in their first ever World Cup. Even teams like Colombia. They're playing a really great Korea team. Linda Cachado is 18 years old. She's played in three World Cups in the last year because she's played at the U17, U20, and now senior women's level. She's scored in every single one of them. She just signed with Real Madrid a few months ago, played for Real Madrid at 18. She is incredible. There's so much talent that I think that people, you know, you just assume, okay, the United States are going to win it all. And, yes, that United States team is so talented. They're so deep. It'll be interesting to see what they do in their group. They have a semi-strong group. They obviously played Vietnam first, who also qualified for their first World Cup. There were eight countries debuting in this World Cup, which I think is also so special. But I think that's the biggest thing, is that you can't just assume that the Giants are going to come out on top. And yes, Germany won 6-0 because they're Germany, and they're going to be a top contender, and so the United States. But there's a lot of talented countries in this World Cup that are going to make noise, and they already have. Haley, this has been a great chat. Uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament. What's the kind of game day like for you with the game? Will that be what, an 8 a.m. start out east? Yeah, it's 8 a.m. here, so that's not too bad. It's more the ones that I, I'll be watching all morning because I'll be doing the takeaways for the day. So mm-hmm. I think my day starts at 1 a.m. I think the first game's <laughs> at 1 a.m. Um, so it'll be nice. I'll probably try and nap for a second after the Canada game, but I'll burn already up for like seven hours at that point. <laughs> watching is, soccer all morning is this all the way through the 20th when they uh hand out the big trophy for you yes there's two other writers with me so i'm not doing it every single day <laughs> i do i do sleep sometimes but the game days are a little rough but honestly to see so many special moments it's worth it awesome enjoy it Haley. it's been a great chat uh the rest of the tournament should be a lot of fun go canada against ireland thank you so much that's Haley mcgoldrick uh writer for sportsnet uh, covering the World Cup of Soccer for the women. Uh, guest line, or joined us down the guest line, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Uh, was lamenting it just before we hit the top of the hour there. Do something, yeah. NHL. And uh, they done did. They done did. I don't know why I copied it. A there. sad way about it. It's kind of a sad story. Oh, no. And a career. 19 years. He's had a good run. I don't know. Run. Is it that sad? It's not like, sad. I guess he's had a really good run, but it's not like it's not like, yeah. oh, trade. It's, it's, it would have been retirement. worse if he went out like Brett Favre. Yeah, that's fair. Like he had like 
disgraced career crushing defensive metrics, but instead he went out and won another Selkie yeah. Yeah. and his team was a record setting team in the regular season. We don't need to go to the playoffs, but <laughs> Patrice Bergeron calling it a career. Uh, Texty McTexterson has uh, read a little bit of the uh, press release. Hasn't had a lot of work this week, so uh, we, we figured we'd get him to uh, ho-hum a little bit of this from Patrice earlier today. You can read the entire thing up on the NHL's website, uh, but this is just a little snippet. For the last 20 years I have been able to live my dream every day. I have had the honor of playing in front of the best fans in the world wearing the Bruins uniform and representing my country at the highest levels of international play. I have given the game everything that I have physically and emotionally, and the game has given me back more than I could have ever imagined. It is with a full heart and a lot of gratitude that today I am announcing my retirement as a professional hockey player. There it is. It's the mm. most personality Bergeron shown. <laughs> it's really well written. Yeah. The entire thing. It's quite long as well. You want to go check it out. But Patrice Bergeron hanging him up. I don't think that there's a lot of surprise, especially with the way that the playoffs ended. Like, I think if they had had, like, success and mm-hmm. gotten to, like, the conference finals yeah. and the Stanley Cup final and he had been able to kind of keep his body working, yeah. maybe it Does, changes. Yeah. But this is a guy, if I'm not mistaken... Didn't even he missed like what all but one game of the playoffs because he got hurt in the last week of the regular season? Mm-hmm. No, just uh, just a uh, you look up consistency in the dic- dictionary and a picture of Patrice Bergeron will be right beside it. Uh, this guy is one of the been the best two way centers to ever play the game. Um, yeah, I mean, just for a second round pick too, uh, part of yeah. that crazy O three draft, that, nineteen seasons. Yeah, like, like that just. All with the Bruins. Yeah. And, you know, it, you kind of like, do, do you wish that you maybe the, the Bruins they could have had more? Just the one cup out of all that time. It's like, mm. you feel like they could have had more. You know, they got to a couple yeah. finals as well there, 19 and 13, uh, coming up, losing a game six and seven. Like, the thing is, recently with the Bruins. Like, I, a lot of I, people didn't think they were going to even make the playoffs last year. And look what think, they did. I didn't think yeah. that they were yeah. going to. No. But the thing with the Bruins, for me, is that recently, like, they had those years where it was, like, Lucic and Horton and Marchand, and they had all of these old veterans. Like, they had McQuaid and all these other mm-hmm. guys. Chara was obviously there. Patrice was in his prime. Mm-hmm. Um, Krejci was there. Yeah, on the up and up. It. Yeah, <laughs> on the up and up, right? And that was kind of what I felt like they could have done a lot more winning Mm -hmm. these last few years. And granted this season and the season prior were very good, but for a lot of years, it felt like it was Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, and a bunch of dudes filling out the roster. Yeah. Like 2010 to 2015 was like, yeah, you could have maybe had one more in there in that window, especially like essentially before Chara aged out. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that was kind of when I looked at it and thought, this is the time that you could do it. Now, granted, I really like a lot of the moves that they've made recently. Mm-hmm. The Pasternak extension, great, mm-hmm. sure. Yep. Marchand's on a good contract. I like the contract for McAvoy. I like the trade for Hampus Lindholm yep. and the subsequent contract that they ended up giving him. So it, it was solid and at the end, but it almost felt like Patrice had put his body through so much that you just couldn't ask the guy to do 82 games plus four rounds of the playoffs mm-hmm. and yeah. expect him to be able to hold up the way that he plays. Mm-hmm. And, and every time, every it, it felt like the last four or five years, at the end of the season, Patrice Bergeron was dealing with something and might need surgery and off-season's going to be thrown off. Like, what a career. Yeah. What an amazing career. 
Injuries hampered it. Probably could have won maybe a couple more rings if he had been able to stay healthy for an entire season mm-hmm. and not be battling through. Like Now, granted, the dude fought through punctured lungs and stuff like that <laughs> in the playoffs. Like yeah. I'm not diminishing everything that he did, but it's just like, could you imagine if he was healthy for those runs? what more the Bruins would have been able to do. Yeah, and it's interesting because I hadn't thought of the Bruins as a team of, like, what-ifs or anything like that, but you're right. Like, just to, to come out of this era with, with, again, a lot of teams would love to be able to say this. But <laughs> just to get to a cup just, final. Yeah. <laughs> with just the one. But no, you're right. Like, that, that was, it felt like a dynastic type of a, a team when they kind of upended the, the Canucks and then... Like they again got to a couple of cup finals, but never really got that extended whatever. And they were also at a time like that the Penguins were very good during that stretch. They and had some good rivals out east. Yeah, uh, and then in the west, the, the Blackhawks and the Kings, and then mm-hmm. uh, various other teams coming up uh, along the way as well. Tampa's little run here. Yeah, t- Tampa's been all right. Um, so yeah, like th- there's always been a-, a couple of challengers to the throne, but just to have that consistency. And you look at Bergeron here, we just went through it, like punctured lung, uh, legally dead a couple of times and and still playing (laughs) and just absolutely beat up his last season, his 19th in the National Hockey League, 78 games played, 27 goals still. Like just and on probably just like the undisputed most consistent line in the National Hockey League for the better part of half a decade. Yeah, he's been outstanding to watch Um, an, um, an amazing career for Patrice Bergeron, hanging him up after 19 seasons. And and it kind of begs the question, like, okay, what's next for the Boston Bruins? Well, what's, what would be if, if I think David Krejci's probably gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably going back to Czechia for another year, I would assume, even was, though they had a really good year. If it were me, um, as soon as the ink was dry on that press release, uh, Craig Conroy is giving them a phone call. Hey! Have you heard of Elias Lindholm? It'd be the same for Winnipeg with Mark Shifley. It'd be the same thing. I think Lindholm and Shifley would be two guys that would fit in right perfectly. Yeah, like Lindholm is is basically Bergeron light. Yeah, exactly. He can play the 200-foot game. Yeah, I Um, I would obviously take Lindholm just to replace Bergeron because Shifley's obviously just a one-way type guy. But um, yeah, I mean, this might start kicking off some things. Who knows? This is a team that still has strong wingers. Like Pavel Zak is probably a second-line center. Charlie Coyle's probably a third-line center. Morgan Geeky can play the wing or the middle. They brought in JVR. They still have Pasternak. They still have Marchand. They still have Jake DeBrusque. But down the middle, kind of like, need a guy yeah. to yeah. help down the middle. <laughs> it feels I like, like they're, they're missing a number one center there. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. And their blue line is strong. But then the other part of this is, and I know Lindholm's on a great deal, but the Bruins probably are going to want to resign him if they sign it, if they trade for him. Yeah. And this is a team that has cap friendlies projecting them at, you know, just under five and a half million dollars cap space right now with two arbitration cases coming up for Trent Frederick and Jeremy Swayman. Which, oh, those will be huge. Mm. Well, those will cost you between three and four million dollars between the two of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I think Fre- Swayman gets Fred- more than Samsonov. Mm, right about the same as yeah. Samsonov, I'd say. Yeah. I I think he's probably about two and a half million dollars and Trent Frederick's probably about one and a half. Okay. One million dollars. Like mm-hmm. Frederick doesn't have the scoring stats, but mm-hmm. so it doesn't really help him in an arb case. But I still think this is a dude who's going to get a million bucks. He would fight anybody. Good fourth line type of player. Um, and then Swayman is you know a solid goaltender who actually does have really good counting numbers mm-hmm. for yeah. an arbitration case. Like his numbers might even be better than Samsonov's. You have to go look at it. Yeah. But yeah. like he had what four shutouts after missing a ton of time with injury. He just 
rattled them <laughs> off, and he came in, and him and Allmark became a tandem again, and they were great. So. 37 games last year for Swayman, 2.27 goals against and a 9.20 save percentage, which are all better than I was expecting. Yeah, he um, had a great year. Now, mm-hmm. pretty good team in front of him, but again, like that's... That's very yeah, good. Allmark won the Vesna. Pretty good team in front of them, but <laughs> yeah. like still did it. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I do think like they, they have some contracts coming off next year, like Grizz, like Florbort, those guys, like three. Um, it seems like everyone else in the league is higher on Jake DeBrusque than the Boston Bruins are. Um, I, I don't know if that's a, a contract that gets redone. He His $4 million is coming off the book. So they, they do have, according to Cap Friendly, $30 million to play with going into next season mm-hmm. so that they could like you, you are then and you're gonna have to your... subtract somebody from your roster if you're gonna bring him in yeah. and they have a lot of defensemen yes yeah so i i do think that they kind of move to the top of the list with if you are going to move lindholm out um they would move it to, to the top of the list as teams that would make the most mm-hmm. sense because you just said like there's a pretty good team here i don't think they're going to tear it down with pasternak signed for 11.25 for the next billion years and mcavoy and lindholm they have two young good goaltenders like yeah yeah like they they have a lot of the pieces you would want to try to get if you were going to tear things down they have a good head coach and jim mm-hmm. montgomery an so, aging roster up front because they just have not you know, the prospects have not been there because the yeah. team's been too damn good. Yeah. And they trade mm-hmm. the prospects away. That yeah, and they have no they picks in the next first three rounds of next year's draft either. That yeah. one draft Ooh. where they had the three yeah. picks in a row <laughs> um, and missed on basically all of them. Missed on two of two three. three, I guess, yeah. So who's, like, who's the third that actually stuck with them? Because wasn't Vakaninen the guy that they've been trying to trade Was this the forever? Dougie Hamilton trade draft year where they had the three first? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was 15. Yeah. yeah. Who that was those? not a good first round for them. Because I think they, <laughs> they, yeah, I don't know if any of them are still at the group. Yeah. Uh, Zborl? Yeah. Uh, Debrusque is yeah. the one who's with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And, and then Sinition uh, was the other. Yeah. yeah. Sinition, I think, was the Flames pick. Yes. At the end of the um, and then the three players that went immediately after oh, were yeah. <laughs> uh, Matt Barzell, Kyle Connor, and Thomas Shabbat. Absolutely so amazing. things could have gone a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why it looks like DeBrusque is fun. I actually think DeBrusque is quite talented. But uh, Barzell, Connor, uh, Shabbat, and then, um, uh, yeah. They just weren't used to picking that high. No. Right. Scouts, scouts didn't know how to evaluate top talents. Whoa, yeah. we got three firsts. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Oops. <laughs> See, imagine the, and the how good do you think guys. they felt after that draft? Oh, nailed it! Yeah, yeah. crushed. Got that. rid of Dougie. Got these three in yeah. here. Woo. Yeah. Matt Barzell's too small. <laughs> yeah. Kyle Connor's too wiry. Too skinny. Yeah. Thomas Shabbat doesn't play Thomas well. Thomas Shabbat. Yeah. French. I <laughs> <laughs> won't go well here. Yeah. yeah. Even though we got Bergeron and Marchand. So Patrice Bergeron hangs him up after 19 seasons with the Boston Bruins. And now the questions are about the Bruins. Is uh, what training camps? What month and a half? Two week, two months away? Yeah, month and a half, basically. No, that two is. months. Yeah, middle of September. Yeah, middle of late September. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to it. Congrats to Patrice. What a career. Uh, both First ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Surprised he isn't in already. And, how, <laughs> and I think the bigger question is how long before they change the name of the Selkie Trophy? Yeah. Because he won it a record seven times. You, so good. It probably has to be a while before you change the name of a trophy. But, I mean, it, it wouldn't be unjustified for sure. I, I don't know. Nothing off the top of my head as far as recent trophy name right. changes. Um, I mean, it's still named the Selkie Trophy, so it's been a while at least. <laughs> Fair. But he also set a record for the most times winning it. Right. 
Yeah, that should give you naming rights, right? I might just start calling it the Bergeron. Yeah. <laughs> All due respect to Frank J. Selke, I think. Good pull. I, w- I don't think I would have got that. I only know that because... Uh, Frank J. Selke, yeah. You know, boom! Nailed the it. only reason I know that is because the video games actually tell you the first oh, full name right, when, yeah. they, when they tell you the end of the season awards. And yeah. uh, boy, do I like to play that campaign mode. <laughs> Wheeling and dealing, baby. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, we're going to be a smidge late for Tommy Wielden Jr., head coach and manager of Cavalry FC, going to join us just after 8.30. Maybe we check in with the Boston Bruins tomorrow. We got a pretty jam-packed show, but maybe we do that just to get a little hockey sprinkled into the week. Uh, we'll do all that and uh, much more. We got uh, one segment left in the program. Uh, check it out, Sports 960 The Fan. You're listening to The Big Show on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to the program. It is The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sands, George Russick. I'm Matt Rose. He's Peter Klein, Patty Dumont, GVP. Joining us today, you can get Hour 2 of The Big Show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, you name it. It is up there uh, right now. We talked to Derek Brown, little fantasy and we talked some NFL uh, leading into that as well. Good hour. And now I'm excited for fantasy football of the pigskin variety. But right now, the season continues for uh, the footy variety. We go down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to talk to Tommy Wielden Jr., the head coach and manager of Cavalry FC. Hello, Tommy. How are you doing, man? Good morning. Yeah, yeah, I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? Well, we're doing very well. We have very little complaints, and if we did, it wouldn't matter. Nobody's listening. I uh, <laughs> wanted to ask you uh, just how things have been going lately. A return to the top of the table. How does it feel to kind of be back where you belong? Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting one. Um, I would just take it with a grain of salt, I think, because it's, uh, like I said, at the start of the year when we you know, went five ties in a row, never what people remember is how you start the race it's always how you finish it uh mm. we're in a place now where we feel we should be with the squad we've got and the performances we've been putting in this year um i, I only think really off the top of my head we've had one maybe two bad performances we've had some results that haven't gone our way but performances have been there so the underlying data was always telling us that we were going to be there or thereabouts come the end of the season so nice to be in in first place now but like i said we'll take it with a grain of salt and just use it as a platform to uh to keep keep performing now is part of that that your your club through past seasons has been able to be at the top of the table but yet hasn't been able to push this thing over the line and and capture the canadian premier league title does it kind of feel like until we get to that you know you you got to take everything with a grain of salt these are small victories but it's important to identify them as small victories yeah absolutely i mean I think that we've topped two regular seasons um, over the course of the five year. We're still a young league. I mean, it's the playoffs really that um, seem to matter. But this year, there's something different because there's two CONCACAF spots going up for grabs, and uh, three if you include the Can Champ. But you know that 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 tournament's over. Um, but right now, you've got the league placement, and then you've got the playoffs, and 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 where you finish in the league does have an implication of where you get the tie in this new playoff format. So yeah, no, it's interesting. I've always been a fan, you know. Of the of, of the league is the is the true uh, uh, one that shows the best team over the the course of the year. So, um, if we can keep putting in performance like this, it's one step closer to getting their concaf place. 
Uh, Tommy, as a, a proud season ticket holder now, uh, I do feel like I'm totally an expert. So, um, uh, <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, you're welcome. Um, but, uh, <laughs> it, it feels like the, the possession has certainly been there kind of all season long. It's been breaking through, uh, to, to get a couple goals. That's been an issue at times. Uh, so I guess a two-parter one, am I right? Um, and two, how big of a, a performance is it the, this one this weekend to, to bust through for a few goals? and just, like, get that confidence going, seeing that ball go into the net. Yeah, no, and uh, listen, first off, thank you. Listen, you, the dollar vote is always the most important vote, right? Everyone, you know, have been a part of this growth process, and, you know, there's always uh, opinions and sayings and what people should do with new new clubs, but when when you put your dollar investment, that's the, that's the biggest one. So, listen, thank you very much. It means a lot. Um, second one, we, we felt that we have been knocking at the door, Um and sometimes to go to a place you've never been to, you have to be brave enough to take the steps and risks to achieve, to try something a bit different. And I think this year, and you've seen that with Marco, you've seen it with Dan Klomp, we are a little bit more patient with possession. And what we found is every team that does come to Spruce Meadows, they sit in what you know a medium to low block and try and kill the space in behind. So what we've tried to do is create some type of you know provocation where we're trying to provoke the teams to come out in a press. And then as soon as we play through it, you want to get your Ali Moosies, you want to get your Sergio Camargos uh, to, to to get on the turn and go 1v1 or in, in the cases we find ourselves 4v4. You've seen that with young Gote Natigny. Now we brought Willie Akio back um, from Scotland to play for us. There's some great dynamism in the attack and Maya Bevan right now is leading the charts in the, in, uh, in the golden boot race. So that What's great about this so far, we've only played 16 games and we've scored the most goals out of everybody. And, you know, it, it, it's funny because everyone was talking about everybody else's attack and now people are starting to step up. But it's been a patient process. And I have to thank our players, really, because as we went through those five ties, we're like, we told them at the start of the season how we wanted to play. We wanted to do this. And this is the reasons why we have to just adjust slightly. We'll always be a very tough team to break down defensively will always be a quick counter-pressing team but we needed to be better in moments of possession of the ball and we had to stick by it and um, even after five ties I put it to the room and, and the leadership group and they're like nope let's keep trusting the process so I gotta give credit to them because they've they've really leaned into it. Um, looking at the the table right now and it is snug um I, I would imagine that there's a, a lot of scoreboard watching going on but it, it kind of keeps you sharp every week hey when you have uh not not a whole lot separating first from sixth right now it does and that's why we're not getting too carried away from it you know we've got a tough game going to ottawa um this weekend and then beyond that it's forge at home on, on friday both of those are really tough games because ottawa were the league regular season champions last year and, and forge were the playoff champions so these are two tough uh, games that can define your season but the form we're in we've won six out of eight we feel on any given day we've got enough in our tank to uh, take down anyone no matter whether we play whether it's a TD place in Ottawa or whether you know we're hosting Forge at home but we always respect every, every opponent's strengths but we uh, we are feeling confident right now and uh, and resilient as well because you know even when we've got knocked back at Ottawa at home we've won both games either side and uh, that just shows you the strength of the group mentally as well. You mentioned you had the six draws early on and the leadership group just kind of said, hey, we just keep chugging away and things are going to fall into place. Was there any other kind of changes that you had to make as head coach or general manager to get those changes really rolling here? Or was this really one of those situations where the players 
came together, pressed forward, and all of a sudden things have started to fall into place the way you expected. Yeah, it has to be a collective. Um, I've never been a coach that's just said it's my way or the highway. Yeah, you yeah. have to bring people with you on this journey, and um, and that's my you know, my coaching staff, Leon and Ledge, and the new keeper coach we brought in, the sports scientist. Everyone has to be part of you know singing from the same hymn sheet and. Uh, I mean that with the players. Every time we do video and prep against this team, always pose a question. How would we do this? How do we solve this? They have to be engaged in it. And it's great fun enough. I don't know if you guys have seen that, uh, the quarterback show on, on, on Netflix. And you know, there's a episode four, I think it's about Patrick Mahomes talking about the detail he goes in. And we use examples like that because you know, these players, this is a league of opportunity. So these players do well in advance. We've seen the Victor Latouris, Arabin Peppers, Joel's always moving on. And, and that's what we want to try and encourage. We want to encourage these players to be the best version of themselves. If they do that, we perform well on the pitch. If they do that, they you know might get an opportunity elsewhere. So what what we have to do is try and facilitate it. And our, our leadership group, your Marcos, your Sergios, your Clompies, Moosey now has been with us for, for three seasons. You know, we, we, we get their input. We try and use that to uh, to, to bond the team. And, and also, you know, when there's crazy questions about, you know, why is he not playing one? Well, we have to get some under 21 minutes. So part of our, you know, moves in this trade window, when Jose Escalante had to go on, we knew about his family. So it was a bit messy in the way it went out, but we sorted that out. You know, trading Cantav for uh, Mar Henry, people are probably scratching their head, but we see a massive upside in Mar Henry. And it's not just going to be this year. We see an upside in the future where we're developers of players. And, you know, we've got one more signing to, to be coming in next week to just round off our squad for the rest of the season. And, we're in good shape. And, um, you know, you have to make these strategic plans uh, behind the scene, but you have to bring people with you on the journey. Um, just taking a look at the, the bigger picture, obviously, like we said, you guys are in the midst of a, a pretty heated race right now. But bigger picture, I, I remember you coming on here when the, the team was just getting going, when the league was just getting going. Now that we're a few years into this thing, uh, how, how do you feel that the state of the league is right now and the state of the team is at this point? Do you know what? It's terrific to see. I mean, even Vancouver that's, that's new and set in Langley, it's a cracking stadium. And, and you could see, mm. you know, I always try like to try and see the best of everything and see what it could become. And, and that looks good. I, I like those size stadiums. Halifax are terrific. I mean, and they've just survived a storm and they have a great atmosphere there. You know, I'm always going to be biased about ours with the grass pitch and the stadium, the foot soldiers, the fans all around, you know, our ownership group and everybody that you know as a season ticket holder coming into Spruce Meadows, it just feels like you're in a new world. It's it's phenomenal. And then you've got the bigger ones that have partnered with the CFL sides. You know, you know that they understand sports and business. And for me, I always said the 2026 World Cup is going to be the biggest one, you know, because once, you know, you see Messi now come to North America, once the World Cup comes to our shores and we host games again in Canada, what you're doing is you're just inspiring that next generation that wants to come out to games. You're seeing all these young players coming out and emulating, trying to be Ali Moussi, trying to be Sergio Camargo. You know, my own son, he's 13. He tries to be like Maya Bevan and he copies his penalty-taking technique. That's what you want to do is you want to inspire it. So after the World Cup, give it a couple more years after that and then you'll see it. Because the MLS, you know, I remember early 2000s, it wasn't really massive and they had their World Cup in, in 1994. But look at it now and... I think we can take a lot of great lessons from their successes and, and apply it to what we're trying to do with the Canadian Premier League. How much have you had your eye on the Women's World Cup? Canada set to play Ireland or the Republic of Ireland tomorrow. I have, yeah. I watched, uh, I watched the first game. It was a tough one. I think mm. that's the thing in tournament football. Everyone gets, you know, hung drawn and quartered after one game, and, and, and you can't. You know, it was important not to lose that game. 
And I think they did that. They banked it. They know they can be better. I think Jesse Fleming's very, very important for them in the way they want to play because he's a bit of a difference maker. Um, but I think they've got a decent squad. And I think against Ireland, they're going to get a very, very competitive side. That I think the game has grown very much so in, in Britain You know, over the last you know, 10 or so years. So I think there's going to be an interesting um, game. Um, but yeah, I've, I've, I've quite enjoyed it. Some good moments and some really good scorelines. It shows that everybody's trying to be competitive. And I'm looking forward to watching the game tomorrow. There's been some big kind of general soccer football stories recently. One, one of the bigger ones you just mentioned, Lionel Messi going down to Miami. What have you made of the way that the, the eyeballs have kind of followed his arrival to North America? I think it's genius, isn't it? I mean, that, that's the thing I, f- I find, you know, in the U.S., they, they take these big risks. You know, uh, I don't know if you watched that movie Air about the Michael Jordan one, and, you know, they, they, they redefine the way the, the shoe program with Nike, and, you know, he's now got those profits, and he's earned more through that than basketball. This is the, the same one, the Beckham factor, bringing Beckham over, probably changed the MLS in the way they did it. And to give him the rights of a, I think they give him the rights of whatever that current franchise was, was it 25, 30 million for, you know, a lifetime for when they wanted to bring it in. Now he's brought it in. The play, the, the, the franchise alone is worth, what, half a billion? And then yeah. you go out there and make the moves. I don't know. You know, I'm losing track of what rules there are in the MLS on foreign spots and, and cap money. But mm. they find a way to put entertainment and bring an Apple with them. I think it's genius marketing. And, you know, it's again, it's that story where you're inspiring that next generation. And, and you know, this is the last place team that are bringing over, you know, basically a Barca group to to inspire them. And, yeah, no, I think it's it's smart. It's going to help grow the game. And, uh, you know, I think we're, the, the ripple effect is we're going to we're going to receive some of that up, up in the north as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the other kind of big news is uh, surrounding Mbappe right now with the team in Saudi Arabia offering PSG over $300 million. I'm assuming you guys came in second in that bidding, Um, but just absurd amounts of money being thrown around. What have you made of this story? Yeah, talk to our owners, see if we could have a conversation with them, but you know, we've (laughs) got a million dollar cap, so we'd have to hide something somewhere. (laughs) It'd have to be a lot of stuffed mattresses going on. It's a heck of a sponsorship deal from Bruce yeah. Meadows. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 tried to, we tried to partner in with One Soccer and do uh, the messy deal, but yeah, we just couldn't quite pull it off. So, Willie Akio will have to do. Yeah. Hey, that's a good ad still, nevertheless. What, what was just your initial reaction to seeing the dollar amount, one-year term, and just, you know, we've seen it with golf lately. But the way that you know Saudi Arabia and all of this money is kind of putting its hands in every single aspect of sport almost around the globe. Well, two things could happen here. One, um, inflation could occur because they're overpaying and overhyping, and then everyone else is then going to try and match that in different ways. Or, or the second thing is it's just going to bring more interest and eyes to different elements, and you know then all the other leagues grow. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it unfolds, but. There's a ridiculous amount of uh, money over there. So, you know, they're, they're free to spend it how they want, really. That, those are the rules, yeah. <laughs> or lack yeah. thereof, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Tommy, I, oh, I've, tried to for, I've tried to forward my resume out there, but, you know, they're not. They're, they're, I, think, I, think, I think they got millions. Of got a little yeah. bit of a bounce back, yeah, unfortunately. Nothing less than a billion dollars, though. Come on. People come to me and say, have you seen how much they're paying out in Saudi Arabia? 
I'm like, yeah. Would you go out there? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Once again, <laughs> did you see the dollars? <laughs> would they pay, pay you ridiculous amounts of money to play the same game you're doing? Yes, I would. Mm. I'd look after my family. No problem. I think a lot of people would say the exact same yeah. thing, even yeah. if they wouldn't admit it uh, until the decision yeah. is in front of them. Uh, Tommy, uh, always appreciate the time. Best of luck the rest of the way. We will chat soon and uh, enjoy Ottawa as best you can. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. There you Bye. go. Tommy Wilden Jr., head coach, general manager of Cavalry FC. Um, is that the first time talking to him since he became a season ticket holder? It is, yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I yell support every time um, he walks out. I don't think he hears it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, first time first time chatting since uh, season six holder. Do you have a favorite chant? Oh, man. Um, do you, Patrick? The, oh, God. Um, when people get behind Marco Carducci, that gets pretty fun. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I'm still learning them. I, I'm very good at stomping my feet. Um, oh, I bet you the, are. Uh, You're so tall. Yeah, got got a you lot of got a lot of stuff. leverage there, yeah. you know. So yeah, yeah, we gotta get. We uh, it's been kind of slow from our end because uh, I'm 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 adjacent to the foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. I'm just beside them. So in our group, it's been a little slow getting the songs going this year. It's been a tough year, and not a lot of guys showing up. So mm-hmm. we got to get them out more. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. Just a great atmosphere. The smoke, the the just the chatting, the standing. I just love it. Like it's all you're always in the game. Yeah. you're just around it. Like. Everybody, you're just right there. It's, it's it's quick. That's another thing. Your your afternoon's done in two and a half hours. So. And it is a stunning venue. Oh, it's beautiful. It is it's a trip. Gorgeous going out. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. not close to anything. Well, but if you're in the south, it's not that bad. Yeah. But no, it, it is it, it is just stunning when you walk mm-hmm. down there. Like it, it just it feels like another world mm-hmm. when you're walking through there. It, it is it's like nothing else in this city. Yeah. It's a. I don't know if you had another plan for this, but it is such a great time to be. A sports person here, right? Like oh, you local got, local hit stuff here is it's yeah. insane. Yeah, cavalry. You got the surge. Uh, I mean, like the flames are always going to be here. The roughnecks is still like the great sporting experience in the city. Wranglers, well, unknown and gem for a lot of people is yeah. to go to see the roughnecks here. Have you ever <laughs> met someone who went to a roughnecks game? And, yeah, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, I was like, like it I is, didn't love the energy. Yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. Quiet, yeah, the what? music playing the whole time. <laughs> what but, is this? Um, but no, and then like even like for for me, like the pro wrestling has taken off oh, here yeah. again with Dungeon, Dungeon Wrestling, yeah. Um, and, and what they're doing, and Unified MMA is bringing a card here in September. Like there's just so much good stuff happening in mm-hmm. the city for sports people right now. We just gotta get this new building, put a shovel in the ground. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah I'd take that. Move a needle forward. Yeah. yeah, a dozen games left in the season for Cavalry FC, and believe half of them are at home. Mm-hmm. Next one at home is going to be August the 4th, uh, and then after that, it's not going to be until August the 20th, August the 27th, and then it's probably going to start getting chilly for some of those games. Uh, September well, evening. They got evening games, fall evening games. It'd be nice, nice crisp air. I three, love that. My favorite type. 3 o'clock, September 16th. Oh, it's a Saturday. I mean, it's, it's like the, the best time of year for sports coming up here. You just got to wait. Like <laughs> September, October, that run, like when college football gets going, and then the NFL... Ah, oh, it's yeah, so baseball good. Playoff time, baseball playoffs. NHL and NBA are getting going. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. and you're, you're talking about all these Calgary sports teams. The other thing, too, is that they're actually good. Mm. Yes. Like, the Surge are going to the playoffs. Yeah. Been there for very first season. Congrats yeah. to them. Yeah. Cavalry is at the top of the table again, right where they belong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Congrats to them. Yep. The Okotoks Dogs. Yes, crushing oh, I it. Even, I didn't even mention it. And they pay me. And I didn't mention that. Yeah. It, <laughs> I, I consider that. Well. I consider that kind of the, the local baseball mm-hmm. here. Yeah. If you're, if you're really looking for it. Yeah. That's solid. Um, the AJHL Showcase is going to be in Calgary this year. Yep. Which is it's pretty sweet. It's a phenomenal sweet. event. And it's a great little event where every AJHL team comes mm-hmm. from the entire province. They come and they play. I think the season has started 
before the showcase, and then they meet like it's like the second weekend, I want to say. Yeah. yeah, it's a couple weeks in. Yeah, and so the regular season is underway. They're all regular season games, so they all count for something. But the idea is you get to go in and you get to see everyone in the league perform live in front yeah. of you. So you can kind of get a little bit of a better idea what the league is going to be like for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we've seen guys get drafted out of the AJHL. You know, I, I'm not going to say often, but regularly yep. since Kale McCarr came out of the mm-hmm. league. Aiden Fink, the Calgarian, yep. was the Predators. The Predator um David Poyle's very the last, last pick, pick yeah, as, yep. as a general manager with the Nashville Predators, and he's mm-hmm. one of several bandits that were selected in the draft. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's a good time. Yeah. Flames changing the guard. Yeah. Blasty's like, back. <laughs> Blasty's back <laughs> with the Wranglers. Um like the Stampeders continue to exist. Yeah. Need to kind of pick up their socks, but you know, early on in the season. Once that rink's built, let's get to the football stadium here. I would love I would love a fifteen to twenty thousand seat day football stadium. Yeah. <laughs> that's all you need. That's my, yeah, that's all you need. My dream. Yeah. You don't have to make it like <laughs> forty thousand people anymore. Because yeah. forty thousand nope. people don't go to sporting nope. events anymore. There Everyone was, watches there on was the twenty one thousand at the game on my on Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah, so. make it for about that size. Like twenty five if you're feeling frisky. Yeah. And uh yeah, lock it in. I wonder what the CFL kind of minimum is for a great cup. I think it needs to be 40,000. Oh, well, the, in Saskatchewan, they brought in all the, like, and they fill, things Yeah, they and filled up like the that. Pilsner, like, Pilsner yeah. place. They filled up in Winnipeg. They added on in their little spot where they have uh, the, the... Yeah, but you can't double attendance with bleachers. You can try. You try. I mean, they got... <laughs> they got... They get McMahon... I think they, the get McMahon to close to, they get McMahon to close to 50,000 for the Grey Cup. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it, almost adding on, like, 15, 20,000 seats. Because what is it, 30, 36 in there now? I guess. I guess now they, they, but, they but the idea being the corners. If it's 36, <laughs> you have a lot more room yeah. for those 15. Like if you're building something with good sight lines, it's 20,000. Yeah. I think the Great Cup should just lower what they expect. Personally. It's still a good hot ticket. It's still oh, uh, it's still a hot ticket and one of the best shows you I've still never been to one. I've never oh, been to a Great Cup either. I have had my goodness. The one up in Edmonton where the, the Stampeders won that the last I was one. working. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You stayed in that hotel room that was the size of this yeah. room? That one? Yeah, we'll do the air quotes again on hotel room. <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> Some dude's basement. Uh, no, it wasn't a basement, but it was paper thin walls above a bar. And there was a weird thumping coming from the oh. room above me the night before the Great Cup. <laughs> it was not good. You could smoke in the hotel. That was pretty sweet. And that was only five or six years ago. And then the one here in Calgary the year after mm-hmm. was also a ton of fun. Yeah. Even though Calgary wasn't a part of it, and that kind of took the luster of covering it, but it allowed me to kind of put the pedal down and enjoy it in a different sense. Yeah, no, that's fair. Mm. Hey, three hours, three, just like that. Blue by. Uh, what's up next? What are you guys, what are you guys cooked uh, st- up? Stamps report. Uh, got that coming up, and uh, we'll uh, replace some of that fantasy chat with Derek Brown. Stampeders are off today, uh, back on the field tomorrow for their day one of the practice week. They are heading to Montreal to mm-hmm. face the Alouettes yes. on Sunday. So we'll be all over that like a dirty shirt. Tomorrow, mm-hmm. yeah. Dave Dickinson will join us mm-hmm. 7.30. We have a slam ball guest. Yes. <laughs> we have the executive vice president of communi- of uh, competition and player relations nice. join us, who's actually a Canadian. Oh, look at that. So we'll do a little research for that and get that all prepped for 8.30 tomorrow. I still don't know if there's a way you can watch slam ball in Canada, mm. but that feels like semantics. 
Yeah, we'll get there. The highlights are on social media, <laughs> yeah. so there's yeah. really got to be some w- sort of. It's stream. 2023. There's a way to watch anything. <laughs> yeah, I, trust me. I tried on Friday. Bought a VPN. All I ended up doing was spending a ton of money and watching no slam ball. <sighs> That's why I ended up watching SmackDown on Friday. Oh, there you go. <laughs> A nice pivot. <laughs> yeah, they're not too far off. <laughs> All right, friends. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Enjoy your Tuesday. Bye-bye. Ooh. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.